This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Together, we can make your blonde blonde. Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection by John Frieda lightens and brightens hair two full shades to give you your best blonde every day. Hair Talks. Make your statement with Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection. Only from John Frieda. What's up, guys? Welcome to News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali. Crazy Rockets Optimism edition of the of the Right News Podcast. 4-0. The Rockets are 4-0 in the preseason. We have week two of preseason in the books. The Rockets play the Grizzlies tomorrow uh, without a, without uh, Patrick Beverly. He's out with knee soreness. But so far, the Rockets are 4-0. Everything is great here. We're going to go 82-0. Um, the Rockets are going to win the championship. we got to start playing that parade right now. Well, that'd be a that'd be a hell of a prop bet win, wouldn't it? Yeah, I I, I, I just I, I just went to Vegas right now. I threw all my money down on the Rockets, you know, uh, to win yeah, the championship. I would love to see the odds on that thousand to one. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're four zero in the preseason. Preseason is not a lie. Preseason is everything. We we take we take the preseason very seriously here in Houston. <laughs> uh, we should have taken it more seriously last season. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so, week two of preseason in the books. The Rockets uh, won both of their games against the Pelicans uh, in China. Anything stick out to you guys? They look like they've bought in. I mean, contrary to the fun we've been having, preseason doesn't mean a ton, but you can tell some things from preseason. And uh, all the signs do look like they've bought into this offense that D'Antoni's brought them. They actually are uh, using a 1-5 pick and roll to great effect. Uh, that's 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 good signs. There's no bad signs yet. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, something similar. I think chemistry is is obvious that that it's much much improved, and I think uh, I think that's important uh, going into the regular season. Yeah, I think you mentioned something earlier for us about last se- last preseason. There was a sort of a malaise there. Like you know, the Rockets didn't take any of their games seriously. Uh, they weren't trying hard, and we kind of chalked that up to oh, it's preseason. Don't panic. And um, I, I think the Rockets are kind of taking the opposite approach this offseason. I mean, in fact, I think Harden and um, D'Antoni came out and said, we're taking this like as serious as a regular season game. And I can't really blame them, considering how bad they started off last year and how bad <laughs> last year ended up being. Um, and I, I, I think they're handling this the right way. I, I think it's important for them to get reps in, especially with a new coach, a new system. I think... Uh, well, while, yeah, of course it's preseason. We don't want to take anything away from it. I, I think it is a good sign that the Rockets are um, doing well in this offense. Uh, and the Rockets haven't really added any, anything in complicated yet, um, you know, as far as D'Antoni's system. But they've added in some things. And I'm curious to see how they advance uh, going into the season. Well, they're not getting in on ways as much anymore, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, as, as good of a player as Dwight Howard was and still is, 
his need to post up, which was a horrible efficiency play, was very detrimental to that offense. And so now without that going on, with their willingness to actually play to their strengths, turns out that when they play their strengths, they're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, there's so there's so much space now. <laughs> it's kind of weird to see that much space in the paint with uh, Dwight not posting up and, you know, Nene or somebody at least rolling out, setting picks and stuff like that. So that's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's really uh, pretty cool to see James Harden um, surrounded by actual shooters and not just you know pseudo shooters that the Rockets kind of rolled out there. Um, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. So let's go ahead and talk about uh, some news from the week. So Mark Stein reported earlier, I think it was last week, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it in last on last podcast. Um, that the Rockets are optimistic they can bring Sergio Yule over next summer. How much stock are we putting into this report? <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does it matter at this point? I mean, like, that'd be nice, but, you know, the, the amount you have to move the needle to move the needle has changed so much in the last couple of years that, like, that, that'd be cool, but, I don't know, Sergio Yule is not going to be like Kevin Durant, so, you know, I just not worried too much about it either way. Right, and, and even though I think Yule would be a, a nice improvement to the team, uh, how how many years in a row have we heard that uh, that Maury's <laughs> optimistic about bringing you over? I don't, I just don't see it. I got to see it to believe it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah and like uh, I, I'm a little more optimistic than you guys because I I just think I really like Sergio Yule's game um, because I, I I did an in depth analysis of it a couple couple summers ago um, when it seemed like he was coming over. I just think he can add a lot, especially in this system. It's suited for him. Like he's a, he's a run and gun point guard, and he's like a really good like fit alongside James Harden. I think I, I think I, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic because I I think uh, some of the buyout numbers reported by the Spanish uh, media uh, I, I think it's inflated. I, I don't think it's that high um, as those guys are reporting, and I think. I think it's going to be a lot easier to, to bring him over than uh, what's being reported because I, I I think it's it's a good sign that the Rockets and Sergio Yule are still on good terms after this constant tease every summer we, we hear about Sergio Yule's positive prospects of coming over and he's burned the Rockets twice now um, and uh, I, I think I think it's still a good sign that Maury is optimistic about it um, I think I think there's something to be said for that. Um, because every single time Sergio Yule does anything, you know, Sergio Yule ties his shoes and Maury's going to tweet about it. And, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe eventually Yule will agree to that first date. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you hang around long enough, right? Yeah. Again, like he has a good, he has a nice game. It's, it's nice that the Rockets have, um, have the rights to still have the rights to him. And, you know, they, they have the option to bring him over at any time, but, Again, you're going to have to get that buyout from Sergio Yo. So I'm going to say about a 60%. I'm putting like 60% of my stock into this report. Uh, I'm not all the way there yet, but uh, Mark Stein is a pretty credible reporter. So I, I guess um, there's something to be said there. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt if it sounds like a good idea right now. It's just that whenever it finally comes time to sign that paper, Sergio always seems to get cold feet. I'll believe when I see it, but that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. And speaking of Mark Stein, uh, he just reported that J.R. Smith and the Cavs report, uh, agreed to a four-year, $57 million deal. Um, it's kind of unrelated to Rockets, but how do you guys feel about that deal? Four years, $57 million for J.R. Smith. I, I think in this market, I guess it's fair. It feels... Yeah, he's a, little, he's a little old for that. But yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of average starter money. 
It, yeah, it feels a it feels a little lengthy. The deal. I, I was thinking he would get like two or three years. It's just weird that he would have held out this long to get that kind of money. It doesn't. It, it's Rich Paul. It's Rich Paul. Uh, th- that's his agent, yeah, that's uh, Clutch Sports. Um, those guys always hold out. I mean, we saw with even Montrez Harrell from the Rockets last year. That's just their strategy. They hold out every year to get more money. Um, they did it with Tristan Thompson last summer. Uh, yeah, that, that's his, that's his chick. I'm not a big fan of Rich Paul, obviously. Um, I don't think many media guys are. But yeah, they got the deal done. I'm, I like I like J.R. Smith. I, I think he's a good player. Uh, he can be a good defensive player when he wants to be, and he's a Certainly a good three point shooter, and I think I think I think the Cavs really needed him. I don't think there's any other option on the roster that could replace him. So yeah, uh, a little bit of breaking news uh, from the uh, from the Cavs. I want to get that out of the way real quick. Let's go ahead and talk about the Rockets again. So I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast a few a few days ago, and um, towards the end of the podcast, they were talking about Harden's MVP odds, um, and those guys were all in. I think that the, the odds were like twelve to one or something ridiculously low. Um, he, sixteen to one, I think. Sixteen to one, yeah, yeah. They were they were ridiculously low, and um, immediately after that podcast, after all those guys bought in, the odds jumped to like eight to one. Now, like the the, the Harden MVP odds are like eight yeah. to one. I think people are realizing that that's a really really smart bet, um, considering the numbers that Harden's putting up in preseason right now. I know it's preseason, but it's still encouraging that him and D'Antoni aren't clashing, and him and he's meshing well in that new point guard role. And yeah, and I think he's gonna put up crazy numbers this year. And I, I think the paint's gonna be wide open. There's no, there's nobody demanding post post up touches anymore. There's shooters. There's actual shooters, like like thirty five percent plus three point shooters around James Harden. And so I think I think he's gonna have a lot of space to work with. And yeah, I, I how are you guys feeling about these odds? Uh, so right, who did uh, who did James Harden take those numbers from? Because if his odds got shorter, someone else's odds got longer, right? Was it Westbrook? Did Westbrook's odds get no, longer? No, no. There's there's no way in hell Vegas dropped his odds. Uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm almost certain that that Westbrook is still number one in terms of Vegas's MVP odds. I think people are gonna realize. For, I don't, I'm the, I am bullish on the Thunder this year, especially looking at them in preseason a little bit. I I don't know the team cannot defend anything without Steve Adams out there. I they look so bad. They look. I I, I wanted to get into, I want to get to this, but uh. We'll talk about Harden and Russ later, but they look the Thunder. They they look like so bad, especially when Stephen Adams isn't on the floor. Defensively, they're so bad. Like, and I don't know one through five who on that roster is going to defend. Uh, again, uh, George, how do you feel about these MVP odds for Harden though? Uh, I mean, they started out too low. I still think eight to one, which I mean is a significant jump. They cut it cuts in half, but I still <laughs> think that's a little low. I. I I yeah, I think I, if I was a betting man, I would I'd put a hundred bucks to win eight thousand. No problem. Oh, I, I already put I already put my money down again. I, I'm betting on the Rockets championship, man. Like I, I, you, you think I'm not putting my money down for that for that eight to one odds, man? Like um, I'm all in. I've been on record saying I think that the MVP is going to be one of Kawhi, Harden, or Westbrook. Just whoever wins the most games. That's so. going to be so fun this year. Yeah. Uh, the MVP race. I, I think that's going to. Uh, I tweeted this last night. I think the MVP race is what's really going to drive the most intrigue to the league this year. Um, with the Warriors kind of destroying everybody in their sight this year, uh, I think the MVP race is really going to be what what everybody's focused on because it's so compelling. You have so many unique candidates. You have, uh, as you mentioned, Kawhi. He's kind of my favorite to win it. 
Harden, obviously, Russ, um, LeBron. I think LeBron can still win it this year, uh, even though I, th- I think he's going to coast this year. I still think the chance still remains. Everybody's still in that honeymoon phase with LeBron right now after beating the Warriors um, in the finals. Everybody loves LeBron, um, and certainly they should have loved him years ago. LeBron's awesome. Um, but, yeah, um, I- I'm liking those odds. I'm liking the 8-1 to one odds. I think it's good value. And you touched on something earlier for us that I really wanted to get into. This uh, Harden versus Russ argument. Uh, so it's been a, sort of a hot topic on basketball Twitter these past couple of weeks now. And um, well, what really drove my interest into this is I, I was listening to uh, the True Hoop TV podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some of you guys listen to this uh, podcast. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty good basketball podcast. It's very entertaining. And Amino Hassan, he dropped the hot take. He dropped the hot take. He, uh, he was He's all in on Harden's MVP odds this year. <laughs> Yeah, and he went as far as in this. We went as far as to say that Harden is a better basketball player than Russ in general. And uh, I've never, I haven't seen this by anybody else in the media, uh, at least of note of that Harden is a better basketball player than Russ. And uh, I've never formally said it, but I, I do think Harden is a better basketball player than Russ. How are you guys feeling about this? I guess debate versus Harden and Russ. <laughs> It feels like it's uh, now okay to say it in public, maybe, now that someone else has said it. Because I think a lot of folks around Rockets World have always kind of felt that way. There's definitely been a relationship between uh, Oklahoma City and Houston fandom, I guess, ever since uh, since Harden moved over. I think there's been kind of a feeling that, yeah, we like our guy better. But uh, it's been it has not been the uh, an acceptable thing to say. Until recently, people are finally starting to look at Westbrook and go, oh, his defense is not great, and he's not super efficient, and he does a lot of really good stuff, but like he's kind of a freight train out there for better or for worse. So I don't know. It's a, It might be time for, for people to start having an actual conversation here instead of just assuming that Westbrook is better, which I think most people have done for a while. Yeah, and uh, it's important to remember that, yes, Westbrook, he might put up 40 shots a game, and he might average a triple-double. But when, when Kevin Durant got injured a couple years ago and uh, Westbrook basically did put up a triple-double, they didn't win any games. They were still pretty bad as a team. So I think that hurts Russell, his MVP stock. I, I don't think – because I just don't think the Thunder are all that good. Yeah, and uh, like well, my whole spin on this is like I, I think um, – I, I, I agree. I think, I think Westbrook's going to go crazy this season. I, I think he's going to take a lot of shots. I think he's going to – grab a lot of boards, and I think he's going to try to get a lot of assists. I just don't think there's any space there, man. There's not that much shooting on that roster. I mean, is he going to get all of his uh, assists on, you know, dunks from Steven Adams and Enos Cantor? I mean, it's it's not – and I, I think the thing about Russ is, like, like I, I just think he's a bad defender, man. You mentioned it earlier for us. Like, he cost the Thunder game five of the Western Conference Finals. Like, he was so bad defensively that people finally took notice – um, I think B-Ball Breakdown did a breakdown of Russ, how bad Russ def- was defensively in that series. He was so bad, and he, he was one of the biggest reasons that they didn't close it out in that series. Uh, and I think people finally took note of it, like how bad of a defender he can be at times. Uh, he falls asleep just like Harden. He's, um, I, th- I think people mistake his athleticism for gr- a great being a great defender and his um, crazy energy for being like this crazy effort guy. And I, I just don't think it's that way for him on the defensive end. I think, I think he takes a lot of liberties there. And I, I think, um, I think he's not as efficient as Harden. If we're talking about finishing at the rim, if we're talking about three-point shooting, 
And if we're talking about overall true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage, I think Harden's much more efficient than him. And I think um, Harden is just I, just... I just think he's better. Like As, as a total package, I think he's uh, has a profound effect on the offense that I don't think Russ has. I think Russ has an, has certainly has a positive effect on the, on the offense. Not as good as Harden, though. And, and the numbers back that up. And and I, I'm interested to see how how this discussion plays out during the season. And so I, I want to get to my next topic uh, on the subject of Harden. Harden's been crazy in, during the preseason as far as passing the basketball and moving it. Um, he's he's not isolating anymore. He's he's like fully into that point guard role. Like he's uh, averaging 11 assists per game. His assist rate is higher than Chris Paul in the preseason. Granted, it's um, it's only four games of preseason. He's averaging eleven assists per game. You guys he's think also playing like twenty five minutes a game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and do, do you guys think this is sustainable during the regular season? Because I talked about this with Paul on, on an earlier podcast, uh, debating Harden's numbers, what kind of numbers he can put up, and, I, and we we ultimately settled on like nine assists per game. I'm not sure. I think it's possible, certainly possible, that Harden can average double-digit assists. And I think uh, Rahat Huck uh, wrote a column on this from Red94.net, uh, entertaining that idea. Um, and I'm interested. Like, do you guys think that Harden can average double-digit assists? I- I'm still not there yet, but I- I'm I'm willing to entertain it now. If he wants to. <laughs> yeah, and I, the the thing that people forget because last season was such a disaster and you know the defense was a real problem uh, for Harden specifically, but uh, he averaged numbers that only LeBron, Jordan, and Oscar Robertson he put up twenty nine, uh, seven assists and six rebounds. That's bananas. And now that he's a point guard, he's going to have so many more assist opportunities. I think his scoring goes down a little bit, but I think double digits assists is more than in play. I think it's likely. He has shooters too. You can actually hit the shots he throws out. Yeah, exactly. And if you look just at these preseason games, um, how many assist opportunities did he have? I mean, there are there are wide open threes that people just happen to miss, or whatever the case might be. There's so many more assist opportunities than there were last year. Yeah, and uh, I, I think you mentioned something uh, about the shooters, man. Like the Rockets had like 33 percent shooters on, on the team last year, and they had, he, Harden was passing it to a. a an, a, an open Corey Brewer, and there's a reason Corey Brewer is open, man. Like that—that that guy is—he's like terrible, man. I'm not—I'm not a fan of Corey Brewer. But let's not get into that. Uh, but the, as far as three-point shooting, man, like the team is so much better. I mean, adding Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon. I think Trevor Reza is a good three-point shooter. I'm not—I'm not ready to say he's on the level of Eric Gordon or Ryan Anderson, but I still think he's a capable um, three-point shooter. And I think the space and the amount of pick and roll opportunities um, James Harden's going to have with Clint Capella, I think he's going to average uh, nine, maybe maybe ten assists a game. And I think it's certainly possible that he could lead the league in assists. Um, I'm, I'm I'm always hesitant on it because there is John Wall, there is Ray John Rondo, there there are other guys, and um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know who's going to hit those shots for Rondo though. Uh, I'm excited to see if they can deploy a a Harden, Gordon, and Anderson lineup occasionally as sort of an alpha strike lineup. (laughs) Just score all the points and just shock and awe people into submission with uh, with brief bursts of no defense, all offense. I I think we'll see that in... uh... I mean, I know in crunch time, defense is important, but I think if the Rockets absolutely need to score in certain situations... Uh, it looks like Harden and Gordon are working great together, so I think that's something that we'll see a lot of, actually. 
Yeah, you guys actually touched on a stop uh, on a topic that I really want to discuss. The Rockets haven't had a guy who could get to the basket like Eric Gordon, like since James Harden's came here. Like I think maybe Parsons and Lynn are the closest, you know, to, to 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 Eric Gordon as far as getting to the basket and creating for themselves and getting, you know, scoring opportunities. And, I, and I'm 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 interested to see like. Are we sleeping on an Eric Gordon six man of the year candidacy, man? Like, like again, I told you, I, I went to Vegas, I put my money down on everything, and I, I, I think I, I forgot to put down <laughs> Eric Gordon. I, I forgot. You to, can't predict. You can't predict that award. Yeah. That one, yeah. No yeah, but I mean, are, are we sleeping on a candidacy for him, man? Like, because Eric Gordon, as far as getting to the basket and and creating for himself off the bench. Like, he's a dynamic scorer, and I, I didn't really realize it until he came here. I mean, I obviously watched some Eric Gordon footage before um, when the Rockets signed him. I, I didn't realize how good he is at getting to the basket and creating for himself until he came to Houston. Yeah, but will he have 60 games of health is the question. Yeah, he, that's it's unfortunate to think of. It's the first thing I think of when it comes to Eric Gordon, but it's true. I mean, he has to stay on the court for the Rockets to be as dangerous as they want to be. But yes, I agree. I mean... I think I think he is a six man candidate. Not that there are too many that come to mind. I mean, it's Andre Iguodala, Jamal Crawford, basically. Yeah, <laughs> Andre, Andre and Jamal Crawford. Legacy like candidate Jamal Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing. Uh, this is like the worst award to predict. So, I mean, uh, I could I, I could see it. I think I think he's going to score a fair amount, and um, I think it's going to really help. Yeah, uh, the Rockets win games. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have put my money down because I, I see an opportunity there right now. I see an opportunity there right now. I, I don't care what you guys say. I, I'm in on Eric Gordon, six man of the year. Give him all the awards. Give the Rockets all the awards. Do you have your money on Clint for most improved? Yeah, I, 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 that's something I've been on all all the off season. I, I'm in on Clint Capella, most improved player. I, I, I'm a little hesitant now that the name might be starting. Um, that that scares the living hell out of me. But I already put my money down, so I, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in on Clint Capella, most improved. I'm in on Harden MVP. I'm in on Eric Gordon, um, sixth man of the year. Give him all the awards. Give him all the awards. I'll say, if, if Clint Capella improves enough to get the most improved player award, then that's going to be a good team. Yeah, uh, and, uh, yeah. like, I, I, again, I, I don't see how he can't because he averaged 19 minutes a game last year, and he's going to be averaging 30 minutes a game at least this year if he becomes this full-time starter, which I expect. Um, even though Nene is kind of scaring the living hell out of me, uh, I still I still think he's going to become the full time starter, and I think by proxy is his stats are going to go up. Yeah, I, I think I think he takes a leap. Um, I mean, obviously, more opportunity, more uh, is going to be better for him with uh, thirty minutes a game at least. Um, I just hope that there's not too much pressure on him to anchor the defense in the in the paint because I think there are going to be some holes. And I, I mean, hopefully Ariza is more engaged than he was last year and Pat is is still the, a defensive, uh, you know, pest. So uh, that's, the, that's the thing that worries me about Clint a little bit. Can he even feel pressure, though? I mean, he's been in, like, playoff situations for a couple of years and just didn't seem to notice all the pressure on him at all. Uh, I hope he just has some kind of nerves of steel or something. That'd be great, but no, I mean, uh, he was too new to really know. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that exists with Clint, man, because, man, he struggled out the gates um, last season in terms of actually getting into, getting some playing time. Like, he was really bad uh, in the beginning. Like, he had, like, in the, the team's lowest uh, plus minus or something ridiculous like that. He missed all of his shots, and when, when he finally scored his first two points, uh, the crowd erupted like because he hadn't scored 
like in like yeah. multiple like, games. games. Yeah, yeah, and. and yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to, to bang on the the Clint Capella nerves of steel bandwagon yet. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like Clint Capella. I like Clint Capella. But speaking of Clint Capella, Clint Capella's former coach Kevin McHale uh, came out and made some comments about the team in lieu of getting his, um, I guess, a new job with TNT, even though he had that job before. Um, and this kind of this kind of sparked a debate on my Twitter feed. I'm not sure if, if you guys ha- uh, had any sort of the same thing. Man, Rockets Twitter is really bitter with Kevin McHale, and I, I think it's it's skewing their perception of how good of a coach he was. I, I'm not sure how you guys feel about his tenure here in Houston. I, I, I'm really like I thought I thought Kevin McHale was a good coach, and you know he, he's not perfect. Obviously, he was he didn't draw up the most complicated sets, and obviously he had his flaws. Um, he wasn't the most creative guy um, in terms of offensively, but I think in terms of getting a young team in transition, I think he's a good coach. Am I crazy in saying that? He's a good he's a good development coach, I think. He was the right hire when they hired him. It's just that he suddenly became the wrong hire through no fault of his own. Yeah, um, I liked McHale a lot um, because I had no expectations of winning a championship, and I knew that um, that that once that once the Rockets once. Harden emerged as a superstar, and uh, it looked like, and we landed Dwight, and it looked like the Rockets were poised to make some deep playoff runs. I just knew McHale wasn't the right guy to uh, lead that charge. Uh, as Forrest said, I mean, in terms of development, I think he's great, and and some of these younger guys really benefited from that. But but taking a team to the next level, I don't think he uh, he quite had that. Yeah, like um, like I, I was actually like. Really, like caping for Mikael to get another job this summer. Like, I, like I really wanted to get that Sacramento job uh, because I think he'd be a stabilizing force in that locker room, or or like you know, like w- that Washington job, right? Like, pr- pretty much any job with it with um, that needs a strong voice, like a leader, a leader of men. Um, anybody, you know, some, somebody who gets their guys to be professional. I, I thought Mikael was great at that. Like, there's human elements of coaching that I think that, you know, we as fans, like, like we're really robotic, right? Like, we're, like we focus on the X's and O's. We focus on um, who's starting, why isn't this guy getting X minutes or whatever. That's what we focus on. I think there's a human element to coaching that goes, you know, under our under our noses. Um, and I think Mikhail was great at all those things in terms of being a leader among men, getting guys to be professional, getting guys to play hard for him every night. And yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm caping for Mikhail to get another job this summer. I, I, I'm hoping, um, you know, I'm not that high on, on Earl Watson. So if, if the Suns let him go, I want him to get that job um, because, like, I, I think he's, a, I think he'd be a good fit for that locker room in terms of developing young guys and getting them on the right track. Yeah. Well, good, good luck in your ventures, Kevin McHale, and uh, hopefully people don't bear you. Well, you don't deserve any. <laughs> I will say that uh, if he's not coaching, I'm glad he's on TV. Uh, I've always en- enjoyed him on the, the the NBA TV crew. So yeah, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy, and uh, I think uh, the players always used to talk about how this how Mikhail used to tell everybody their his old playing stories and stuff. But yeah, we're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. I'm writing my season preview column right now. I- I'm so tempted to put the Rockets down for 50 wins. Because of uh, basically how well they've been doing in preseason and how well top five offenses have been historically, and I, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go there yet. But I, I'm really really tempted now. Forrest, I I know you're you're more optimistic. Ironically, you're more optimistic on this team uh, than you've ever been in terms of uh, 
having them win a lot of games this year. And, you know, I'm not sure if, if I'm, I'm ready to go there yet. So both of you guys, uh, convince me or push me off the ledge in terms of th- this team winning 50 games. Sell me. One way or the other. All right, I got it for you in one word. It's effort. That's that's just where it comes down to. You don't become a top five offense, much less an extremely top five offense. I think the Rockets are going to be a very very high scoring team. I think they're going to be second only to the Warriors. And you don't get there without giving effort. And if you're giving effort, your defense is. It's hard for your defense to be that bad. It's tough to be a bottom five defense. Like, look how little effort the Rockets had to give last year to have that bad of a defense. And yes, they did lose Dwight Howard to introduce some questionable defensive players, but if they're on the same page and have anything like a system that makes sense, they're going to have not a hor- It won't be horrible. The defense will not be horrible. And if you're not losing a ton of ground on the defensive end and you're gaining a lot of ground on the offensive end, if you have a point differential of, you know, of, thir- of like three to five points, then you're probably going to win about 50 games. Yeah, um, I don't know if I can go all the way and say uh, uh, that fifty games. I, I think it's attainable, and and I think convince me I, the other I, way. I Con- convince me the other way, then, because oh, convince you the other way. Yeah, if you if you feel differently, convince me, man, because like I'm not sure if uh, if I'm ready to go there yet. And if if you can so, bring me a, a good case, man, I'll I'll put them down for twenty wins, man. If if you're convincing enough. Okay, so. Um, so I won't go as low as twenty, but uh, I was, I was thinking a, a conservative pick is like forty-five to forty-eight wins, and um, a, a big part of that was when the over/unders came out and the Rockets were at forty-one. Uh, I, that was just that was embarrassing. I mean, last Bang year was the year over, hell, and they won forty-one games. So yeah, and, uh, and, and like when I went to Vegas, man, I, that's the bet I put all my money down on that over/under. That like that guy. Like I, I have empty pockets right now. I, I'm, I'm hoping the Rockets win 42 games because I put all my money down on that, and I, I, I think that's the easiest bet on the, t- on the, on the table as far as over unders is concerned. Uh, I'm more than confident they're going to win 45 games. I'm, con- I'm more concerned about the injuries. Like, I, I, and that's why, that's why I'm conservative about it because I, I do think, um, we've seen it, you know, a lot recently. Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, they have a tough time staying healthy. And even like Nene, uh, even though he had a great year last year, he has he has a he has a history with health problems. So that's why I'm a little more conservative on it. I I think as long as James Harden, knock on wood, doesn't get hurt, uh, 45 wins is is cake, no problem. Yeah, and like the, the the way I see it is like if you're a top five offense man, like, like you have a really really great chance of winning 50 games, and like. Like some guys have have, have predicted. Like I was listening to the low post today, and Jeff and Gundy ended the podcast predicting boldly that the Rockets are going to win fifty games, man. And like I'm just thinking, man, that, that's a lot of games. Like that's a lot of wins, man, to for, to accumulate. Like like the Rockets have been winning fifty games like slowly, slow, like every year um, up until last year. That's why we're kind of numb to it at, at this point. But fifty games, man, for any for any other franchise, that's like a breaking point. As far as breaking through uh, and being one of the legit playoff contenders, um, I'm not. I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards 49 at the moment, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wrestle with it. I'm gonna wrestle with these these next couple of days because I just this, think this is Texas. <laughs> we win 50 games in Texas. That's how it works here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and th- that that's how it feels. That's how it feels. Like like 
like people, the fan base is kind of numb to it, so it's kind of easy to throw it out. But that's a lot of wins, man. Like, like to to accumulate during a season when you you normally when you're like fifty five, you're you're a contender for the championship. So fifty is like you know the second tier, and I and um, it's definitely possible. I think the Rockets' defense is being um, kind of so, sold short. I, I don't think they're, they're going to be as bad as people make them out to be. Right now, as of this moment, they're 12th in the league in defense in preseason, obviously, um, allowing 96.9 points per 100 possessions. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, like, I, I think they're going to be middle of the pack this year, like 15 to 20. And if they can do that and be like the second best offense in the NBA, there's no there's no reason they can't win 50. going to be underestimating other teams because a lot of teams have gotten better so you might be like oh their offense is going to be really good their defense is going to be really good but oh you didn't look out for you know utah or or it's or like minnesota timberwolves not being a cakewalk anymore stuff like that but for me it's just a math question like if if you think they're going to be middle of the pack and give up what like 100 points per 100 possessions something like that you around 100 defensive efficiency and you think they're going to be scoring like 109 110 offensively, which is pretty dang high, but I let's lower than what they've been doing. Like that's like a nine or ten point differential, which is good for a whole lot of wins. So if they can stay healthy, they're going to win 50 games, in my opinion. But they might stay healthy. Yeah, and, and the, that's kind of where um, that, that's kind of what infuriates, infuriates me about like what, what's been like said in the preseason. Like, I, I'm finding ways to make myself angry. So in a couple months, I can be really, I can be really arrogant about the Rockets winning uh, fifty three wins. Like I'm, I'm going to be really arrogant about this time in two months, and I, I'm finding ways to make me angry. And what pe- what's really making me angry right now is like people are predicting them to be like one of the worst defenses in the NBA. Like, and I'm just thinking like, you really think they're going to be worse than the Nets? Like, you really, you really think they're going to be worse than the Nets, the the Lakers, the Sixers? Like all these horrendous, the Kings, all these horrendous defenses in the NBA, and you're really expecting them to be that bad? Like, I, I just think you're really selling the Rockets short. I mean, they have Patrick Beverly, Trevor Ariza, and I think Clint Capella is going to be really a, a really good defender in the starting unit. That's three out of five. Like, I, I think there's a compelling case for them to be like a, a top 15 defense. Like, maybe, maybe not, I'm, I'm not ready to go there yet, but there's a case to be made. Yeah, I think they'll probably end up like average or a little bit below average. But even then, I don't know. Like I, I've been going on about this. This is this is a this is a sore spot for me that we have people who are happily predicting that they're going to be you know, like the second best offense or definitely top five in this in this NBA right now. So what? That's going to be like 109 through like 114. That's where that's where the top few offenses have been for the past few years. So that's what we're looking for. And people have no they have no compunctions about. Uh, calling for like a historic offense from the from the Rockets, and at the same time they're like, "Whoa!" But maybe they're going to lose it all in defensive end, which means they're predicting them to have like 114, 115 point defensive efficiency, and no one's ever cracked 115 ever in the NBA. So people are just hap- blithely calling for this team to be one of the best of all time at on one end and the worst of all time on the other end, which I guess could happen, but that seems kind of weird. That seems unlikely. Yeah, it, it, and it's really lazy, like, uh, like to to predict that, and without thinking it out in your head, like, like if you go through the bottom defenses of the NBA, man, there's so many bad defenses in the NBA. Like, like th- there are some teams that are just difficult to watch on League Pass, and the Rockets were one of them last year, and that's what really frustrates me. You really think they're gonna be worse defensively than last year? Like, like a- after how embarrassed they were, and um, bringing in uh, coach Jeff Bizdelic, 
Like you really think they're gonna be worse than that? Like that's what that's what's you know that really grinds in my gears, and that's what I'm gonna be really angry about in a few months when I'm proven right and the Rockets are like 15th in defensive rating. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's reasonable to assume they might not have a fantastic offense like that. I'm more open to, so I'm making that argument, but I don't get making the like opposite ends of the same pole argument. Yeah, yeah and it goes it goes back to uh, what Forrest was talking about with effort. There's no way that you put in the effort to be a top three, a top two offense, and then you just don't put that same effort in to be one of the worst defenses. So I I just don't see it happening in terms of them being that bad a defense. I think uh, I agree that I think average to below average is what we're looking at, uh, which I think is is good for a Rockets playoff run. So yeah, if they can stay above twenty, then they'll be golden. Yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I, I'm gonna put them down for 50 wins, 50 flat. I, I'm not ready to go like 52 or anything like that. I, I just think that's a little bit dangerous. I'm not ready to go there yet. But yeah, I, I'm gonna go there. I, I'm, I'm gonna put them down for 50 wins. And yeah, I think that's actually a pretty good stopping point. Rockets play the Grizzlies tomorrow. No Patrick Beverly. No Pablo Prigioni. Um, looks like Eric Gordon's gonna get the start. Um, and the Rockets should blow them out by 70 because they're gonna win the NBA championship. <laughs> You know, they're going to they're going to win the NBA championship. That's what's going on. The Rockets are 4-0 in the preseason, so they're going to be 82-0 in the real season. That's just how it works. That's how that's how it's always worked. You guys have to know that. Um, So, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Follow Forrest Walker at uh, do not at D-U-N-O-T-S on Twitter. Follow George Flores uh, at George C. Flores 22 on Twitter. Follow Forrest's work on Red 94. Uh, he does the post-game breakdowns for Red 94. Um, they're really entertaining, really fun read uh, after games. Even if the Rockets lose, it's, it's going to be a fun read, I guarantee it. Um, and George is going to be writing the post-game breakdowns for the for RedNationHoops.com. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be yeah, fun. I'm excited. Yeah, look forward to that. Follow us on SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you really enjoyed the podcast. If you didn't enjoy the podcast, give us a good rating anyways because that's just the right thing to do. All right, guys. Good night. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.